Hello. Oh, there you are. How's it going? Good, good, good. Good, good. How do you feel for a seal? Feel so good for a seal. A little tired for a seal, but that's okay. How do you feel for a seal? Oh my God, I feel for a seal. Um, so this week, Ellie already knows, but just so our listeners know, and also I posted on our Instagram, so they kind of know. Peaches literally tried to die. Um, however, we do have some good news. Um, we are able to raise enough money for her surgery, and she is laying on the floor right now, recovering. Holy crap, my dog, like, it's been an emotional roller coaster. She literally tried to die on me. I literally didn't think she was going to make it, and then we magically came up with the money to do it. So, yeah, Krusty Kruston lives on. Yes, yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Does she feel shame? I don't, I don't even think a little bit at all. Like, so essentially she just, like, ate part of a tennis ball, part of a shoelace, and some hair. And it was the hair that got her messed up. It, like, accordioned her small intestine and then, like, poked holes in it. So it was a whole thing. But she, I'm like, no pun intended, because holes. Um, but she's doing better now, and you know that was that was really terrifying. That was probably one of the scariest experiences of my life. Um, but I'm super grateful to have the support system I do because, you know, being 23 and having a, a bunch of student debt and like having done all this myself, you know, putting myself through college and moving across the country and everything. Like I don't have like five grand just sitting around, so I'm really thankful for the people in my life that literally saved my dog's life. Um, so, yeah. Good. Well, we're glad she's better, even though she's a Costa Cossol. She's a Costa Cossol. I would like her to, like, bark or growl or something, but she's pretty tired. So, you know, she's just going to lay on the floor, but she's here. She's doing well. Just so all of our listeners know, our Costa Cossol girl lives on. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yes, we are We are here. We are porpoising again. Um, yes, we are. Yeah, did you get a chance to listen to the last episode? I did, I did. What'd you think? It was good. I think it's really important um, what all Emily had to say about communication because she she had a bunch of good points, but I think the major thing is, and even people in our own community, and you kind of brought that up, our, people even in our own community forget that, you know, in order to get things accomplished and in order to reach our goals, you know, you're going to attract more flies with honey than you are with vinegar. And I think we get so bogged down in wanting to be right and wanting to, you know, be, be better or be more important that we forget that, you know, we got to be compassionate and we've got to, we've got to feel for each other when we're trying to get things done. And that's kind of how we unify. And I like that you guys talked about that. Um, and not being condescending either. I mean, I think, I think that is a big problem with, you know, our, our culture in general, mm-hmm. um, just anybody, anybody who, who knows something and gets upset or, or gets, you know, all snooty about knowing more than other people. But, you know, I mean, you and I are both really good examples of not having the opportunities that we otherwise should have and maybe not having access to those, those things. You more than me, but, but, um, but still, yeah. yeah. 
it definitely, that's like, that's the thing that it comes back to is there's, you know, I think it's just a lack of perspective taking, honestly, because, you know, mo- most scientists, it takes a certain level of privilege. Those internships are unpaid. College costs money. You know, some people don't even like, you know, think about the, the cost of a college application is something that could keep somebody out of college. Like, you yeah. know, I was very fortunate that there were programs put in place that based on like the level of family support that I had, which was nothing that I could get free college applications now and that, you know, I could take the ACT for free. And if it weren't for those programs, like I wouldn't have had those same opportunities. Like in high school, I worked to support my family um, because my mom wasn't working and it was a single parent household at the time. But it's just like, you know, people forget that like, not everybody has the same opportunities. And when you're surrounded by people in that place of privilege, like, you know, you're probably surrounded by people with a lot of the same socioeconomic standing and of the same race and et cetera, just because, you know, that's, that's just how our world works, unfortunately. So I think you're better is not going to appeal to people. And we need as many people on our side now more than ever. Um, And, you know, this um, coming Friday, we're going to release an episode, um, uh, about the March for the Dams, and I interviewed um, Gloria Pan Crazy, and she, like, her and I had a conversation kind of off the mic, too, and basically we were talking about how there's a lot of egos in the field, and, like, basically, you know, we both are on the same page. It's like, if you're not in it for the whales, then get out. Like, and I'm all for inclusion, but, like, if, you know, if you're here to, to be a knower or to be a famous person or whatever, if you're here to get followers or attention and you don't actually care about the conservation like you you don't need to be here like yeah I absolutely 100% agree with that he's still right there but Mm -hmm. yeah um but I definitely like I'm glad that we did that episode just because you know I think a lot of us have all this energy of like how do we help the whales like you know we're still learning which I think is huge like continue to build because you know this edge this this whole thing is so complex and I learn something new every interview and like, you know, with the readings and things that I do. And I know like that you do too. Um, but there's always more to learn. Like this is so like, there's such a long history there. Like, you know, even there's more to learn about the animals because we've only been researching whales since the sixties. Like, so just keep learning. But now I thought that that was good because I was like, okay, like this gives people a constructive outlet for like, Hey, let's take some action because now yeah. is the time for action. Like we don't have time anymore. We didn't really have time before, but we really don't have time. Yeah, now. absolutely. And I definitely yeah. like that. She definitely, she, she pointed out, you know, social media absolutely is a critical tool right now um, for saving those whales. Cause the more, the more you can talk about the whales and the more you do talk about the whales on social media, I mean, Everybody, fortunately or unfortunately, however you view it, I mean, everybody's on their phone nowadays. Everybody's paying attention to the Facebook or Instagram or things like that. And I mean, if you can, if you can express your concern, if you can express the facts as, as well as your concern, um, applying yourself to both the ethos and the logos, like, I mean, that, that helps more than anything because then you get the conversation going and then you get, you know, people, people attach, they get, they get emotionally attached and they want and, and emotionally invested and they want to help too. So I think that's a really good, she had a really good point on that as well. Yeah. Yeah. She's a very smart lady. She started talking and like at the end of the interview, my other roommate and I both looked at her and we're like, you need to start your own podcast. Like you're really good at this. Yeah, she is. Yeah. But she, she definitely has some good points. And like, you know, the one thing that she brought up that I just like didn't think about, and I totally should have, because 
I have a degree in psychology as well as environmental studies, but she's talking about people mirroring each other. Like that's huge. That's what people do. And so if you start to, you know, you, you have to be the person that you want to like, you have to be the change you want to see in the world, you know? And if you're out there and you're willing to take the steps to like go march for the dam, if you have the resources to do that, if you live close, whatever, or talk about it or something, you know, if you show compassion and you care, other people are going to start to do that too, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. So let's start caring and sharing. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we got a we got a pretty complicated question this week, didn't we? We did. So I will read it. Um, let me go to Instagram because that is what we got it through. So it is from Shelby Nielsen. Hello, love. How are you? Um, one thing I've been wondering about recently is that we know SeaWorld slash marine parks have orcas of various ecotypes. We know their diets can be so different. To my understanding, they pretty much exclusively feed them fish. What about transients? If they have been held captive, they have been forced to adapt, or have they been forced to adapt to a fish-based diet? And was this successful through the species of fish preference um, to, say, feed Icelandic capture whales, herring, um, and say Latoya or Lolita, the Southern resident herring. Um, so I have tried to figure out about Lolita's diet. I have a friend that used to um, work at the Miami Sea Aquarium. She did rescue and rehabilitation um, because I went on their website and I didn't see any information about what she's fed. I honestly didn't see any educational information at all, which was not surprising, still disheartening, whatever. Um, but she said she's going to get back to me. Um, she's going to ask somebody else that worked there cause she didn't work with Lolita specifically, but she's going to find out what she eats. Um, but there's a lot of, I just thought I would do like a brief kind of history of the captures. Um, just because that can kind of, um, we can kind of answer that question by doing that. But so Dr. Murray Newman, um, of the Vancouver Aquarium, he essentially wanted to go out and kill a wild orca. Um, so that he could make a new exhibit um, at the aquarium with a statue of a whale. So he basically went out to go shoot this whale. It didn't die, so he tied it up, brought it back on the side of his boat, um, and essentially they decided that it was a female whale, so they named her Moby Doll. Um, come to find out that, you know, just because she was small doesn't mean that she was a female, so it was a juvenile male, so they changed his name um, to... Moby Dick, I believe, or they just changed it to Moby. But this was the first animal um, that was held in captivity. And essentially, you know, while this was a pretty horrible thing, um, it did teach a lot of scientists about whales. It did teach people that they were not dangerous. But essentially, um, what this did was kind of part, like it sparked the 10 Cove Roundup. So um, Ted Griffin, who was the founder of the Seattle um, Marine Aquarium, he wanted to get some whales, um, and he acquired his first whale named Namu. So he went and caught her in 1965 um, and then essentially wanted to find a mate for Namu, and um, they ended up calling her Shamu, she Namu. Um, but essentially they went and caught another whale, and the whales were very aggressive towards each other. They didn't get along. And one other than, you know, them being in captivity and them being stressed, the main reason for this was that because one was a northern resident, one was a southern resident. So these guys were not going to mate. They were not going to be friends. Um, but that was part of helping scientists to understand the different ecotypes. Um, 
But there was so it is my understanding that all of the 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 whales in the United States are that are held captive are resident killer whales, fish eating whales. Um, and I did read that there were some in Japan that were not. Um, but there the the one main story of them figuring this out um, was that a man by the name of Bob Wright, who owned the sea land of the Pacific in Victoria, BC was looking to get some killer whales. It was in the 1970s and he went to um, capture um, a mate for his whale named Haida. And essentially he went out, he caught some whales and then he tried to feed them fish um, and it went on for over 60 days trying to feed these animals fish. There were three whales, um, and they refused to eat the fish. I think there was actually one that was a resident, so it did eat the fish, and there was actually evidence of the transient killer whales bringing the fish over there. One whale ended up um, charging the net, getting stuck, and then she drowned, but the other whale was ultimately released because it was a marine mammal eating killer whale. So they were offered these foods. They did not adapt, which is evidence for us that like the, the killer whales that are wild cannot adapt either. Um, so yeah, she didn't eat them. One of them died. One was released. I'm not sure the fate of that whale. I'm not sure which specific whale that was. Um, <laughs> but essentially to sum up, it is my understanding that there are only transients or only residents in captivity in the United States. There are some transients in Japan, and I'm pretty sure that they are fed marine mammals. I will find out about Lolita, whether or not she eats salmon. Um, but I do think that, you know, they have adapted to eating different species of fish. Um, but, you know, we have seen that the, the whales in captivity do have significantly shorter lifespans, and that could be part of it. When... When I was reading up on what killer whales are fed in captivity, most, most of what I got about at least whales in the United States, they're all fed like a variety of frozen fish. Um, and this, I mean, frozen fish, when you freeze a fish too, and it, it, I, I, I want to note this, I don't know how relevant it is or not, but frozen fish, when you freeze food, a lot of the times, A, it dehydrates because the best way to dehydrate, dehydrate anything is oddly enough to make it as cold as possible. Um, a, B, when you freeze something, oftentimes proteins will break down. So frozen fish uh, is not actually as nutritious as live fish or, or fish that hasn't been frozen. Um, so these whales often... Do get do suffer malnourishment not only because they may not be getting the amount of food that they need, but because the food they're getting isn't as um, nutritional. Mm-hmm. They also suffer a lot from dehydration. So they not only are fed frozen fish, but they are also fed gelatin um, to kind of compensate for that loss of water um, because they get their because they get their water from their food sources, and that's the only way they get their water because orcas are usually, and if not exclusively, saltwater animals. Um, <clears throat> very, very rarely that they they get so dehydrated, they they will get tubes shoved down their throat, and then they get force-fed water as well. But I think that does bear, bear noting. Yeah, I definitely think that that's important to share, too. I mean, it's just another reason why 
you know, I think Ellie and I are both, well, I know we're both personally against captivity, but like, you know, it's so important to keep wild animals wild. I think it's important to keep humans wild too. We've gotten so disconnected from, from the earth and our like natural path. And it's absolutely devastating, like to the physical and mental health of like any creature. Yeah, this is just another reason to show why captivity is bad. And and that being said, I don't think that you need to go to, like, SeaWorld or wherever and, like, yell at people or track down these scientists and yell at them because, or, you know, whatever. We need to to show compassion. Mistakes were made. Lessons were learned. There were some positive things that came out of this. You know, killer whales off the coast of Canada and BC, they used to just be shot because that people thought that they were bad animals, that they thought they were dangerous, even though there was no, that there were no attempts for killer whales to ever try to hurt people. It was just that fear-based thing of, you know, maybe feeling threatened because something's bigger than you. I, who knows why they did it, but, you know, try to have compassion, know that it was a different time, like know that we learned something and know that we're going to move forward. Like, you know, fortunately, SeaWorld has said that they're going to stop their their breeding program. Um, but yeah, let's just not make that mistake again of putting whales in captivity. Absolutely. No. Yeah. Um, so there's that. Did you um, have anything else you wanted to add, friend? Yeah, I didn't. I haven't really seen any anything that says definitively whether or not transients were ever taken captive. I know there's some debate over where, whether Tilikum was a transient or not. Um, and Tilikum was the oh. whale who was the major focus of the documentary Blackfish. True. Um, but I know that there was some speculation he might have been. Um, I know, I do remember reading a little bit about it earlier in the captivity era that... Um, a transient was taken captive, I think, in Vancouver um, and was not eating, was not mm-hmm. eating the fish that he or she was being offered. Um, I think that's that same whale that I just talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she but she was put in then with a resident, and the resident actually fed her. Oh, my gosh. Wow. He actually fed her the food and kind of showed her how to eat Um I don't know if that was Vancouver. That was someone else, somewhere else. Um, oh no, Tilikum was a was an Icelandic whale. So more than likely, he would have he would have eaten herring. That's wild. So. I mean, it's crazy because even when you watch the documentary Blackfish, like you hear the people that are trainers saying like they they don't know a whole lot about killer whales, like. You know, and that's not to their fault. Like, they clearly, the, the trainers that are in those documentaries, like, you know, you see them in other things speaking up for these animals. Like, it literally was just them not knowing, you know. Um, but, you know, it's so crazy to me that, you know, and this is this is true throughout all sorts of animal captivity is taking in animals, not knowing what is necessary, not understanding what that animal needs to live, and then, like, just kind of adapt, like, you know, adapting to what, having that animal be put in your box, like fitting it to your mold and being like, this is what's going to happen. Um, but I just, right now I'm on SeaWorld's website because I want to find out about the different whales that are there. And I don't see anything about like education or animals or anything like that, which is so weird to me because like, you know, when I'm, 
um, was studying for this, the job that I'm at, because there's a lot of new species here that I don't know much about. Like I've used the Monterey Bay Aquarium's website as a resource because they have a lot of really good educational information. And I don't see that at all on SeaWorld's website. So that's, which is funny because SeaWorld's main argument for remaining open is that they do a lot for research and education. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. Yes and no. Like, they have probably some of the best, like, marine rehab facilities because they have the money to back it because I'm pretty sure they still are for profit. Um, however, like, I mean, they're the only facility that's been able to rehab, I believe it was a gray whale, um, successfully, like that's amazing and astonishing. And if they, you know, if they could shift their focus to do that, that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, you know, the education part is so important. This is why this is another example of like, if you're not in it for the whales, you need to get out. Like I am actually like, I'm really actually kind of heated right now because I just keep seeing people and now like looking at people's website again, like, and institutions where people are like kind of faking it and like, you know, they're capitalizing on these animals and people don't know, people want to connect with these animals. People want to see them. And like for you to, to have an, like some kind of organization where you're not prioritizing the health of the whales and the understanding of that, like you need to leave. Like I, like I've been to SeaWorld before, like my uncle took me to SeaWorld when I was like 10 um, because he knew that I loved animals and he thought that that was going to be a great experience for me. And when I was a kid, I was absolutely astonished by those whales. And then I had another aunt take me in high school to, um, go like swim with the belugas. And I think I was like 16 at the time. This was like before blackfish had come out. I didn't know how to make, you know, good choices, but this, well, it's not that I didn't know how, I just wasn't informed. And like, now, like I, you know, I feel guilt having, having had those experiences, um, but, like, they're not in it for the whales. Like, this is totally, like, you know, it's a ploy for money. And, like, um, I just had a discussion with someone, too. Like, there's some different, like, photographers out there that, like, don't use their platforms to educate people. And, like, that's not okay. Yeah. So, if you're not in it for the whales, if you're trying to sell stuff, like, tickets or whatever to, like, come see your thing, then you need to leave. Like, because it's about the whales at the end of the day, and I'm not going to, like, I do have compassion for a lot of things. I'm willing to have understanding, but like not for this. So. No, absolutely not. Um, yeah, but. it's frustrating. It's frustrating to watch. It absolutely is. I mean, it's like it should be about the whales at this this point, and it's a call to action. And I think that we're all feeling the pressure now, like you know, Mega is not officially pronounced dead by the Center for Whale Research. But, like, that's what it's looking like. Like, realistically, he hasn't been seen since August. And, like, you know, when they do their count and they come out with their numbers next, like, I'm pretty sure that's probably what they'll confirm. Um, but we don't – we really don't have time. And I also do want to note that Lolita, who's at the Miami Seaquarium, is counted in, in the 73 southern residents that are left. So, like, really there's only, like – 71 out there swimming around probably like I don't want to say that for sure because we haven't gotten the official count from from um center for whale research but like in reality that's probably what's going on and that's scary like we don't have time it's time for action like we need to stop like messing around like we have to get this information out there like it's 
it's time to start acting. Like those dams need to go down like right now. Like, and even governor, like the governor of Oregon sees that too. Kate Brown, she, she sees that too, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And she's gotten so many, so many people have reacted so positively to her, her coming out and saying that. And I mean, Oregon has just as much invested in, in those in the maintenance, maintaining of those dams as, as Washington does. I mean, they over here, we, we've got, they've got their farms that need irrigation. They've got all that sort of stuff. They, she still came out. She did the right thing. So Jay Inslee, on the odd chance that you're listening to this, like, come on, do, do the right thing. Do the right thing. Well, it just seems like Bonneville Power Association, they made a mistake. It looks like they know it but they're not quite willing to admit it. We will have compassion for you. We will back you. Anybody that's in Bonneville Power Association, we will back you. If you go ahead and you make the right decision right now, all we're going to have is compassion for you, me and Ellie personally. Um, And we will encourage others to do the same. You made a mistake. It's okay. Let's fix it. It's only okay if you fix it. If you continue to keep making the mistake, doing the thing that you know is wrong. These are lives. Like at the end of the day, it's a life. We don't have time to mess around with another life that's important. Like, you know, and this is a whole population of whales. that is so significant throughout the West Coast, but especially in Washington. Like I've never seen an animal more prominent in, in any culture. And, you know, like I said, I've been fortunate enough to study abroad several times in college. I got a lot of scholarships. I've been a lot of places and I've never seen a species impact people the way that the Southern residents do. So let's get it together, fam. These dams need to go down, and then we'll start fixing the other stuff. Or, can you know, if you're working on fixing the other stuff, keep doing that. And, yes, just we, we got to fix it. If it's not, we don't have time. So, exactly. yeah. But, yeah. That's how we feel for a That's how that's how we really feel for us feel. Yes. <laughs> uh cool. So shifting gears a bit, something lighter. Uh uh Graham on the Gram. I yes. recently started following my soon to be boss, Jeff Friedman, who goes under the Ooh. handle a wild on Instagram. And then right now I'm looking at this sweet photo of a killer whale called Chainsaw. I'm pretty sure it is a chainsaw. I'm I'm on the I'm on the computer version of Instagram, which as we all know is not the best. That's but because it, that's it, how grandmas do it. They get on <laughs> she's actually she's on one of those computers. She's on dial up right now. Excuse me? Um, the computer plugs into the wall. It's chunky. I mean it does plug into the wall, but that's because I need to replace the battery. Oh my God. <laughs> Okay, what, um, can you repeat, what is his Instagram handle? Orca Wild, as one word. Orca Wild. Orca Wild. He's got some sick photos. Sick. Sick. Yeah. Um, he's got one of Chainsaw. He's got this beautiful shot of a humpback. Oh, my God. And then there's another one. What is that? I think that's a Look at these two hugging. They're hugging each other. I know. Oh, oh he's got this cute-ass transient, this is throwing this 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 sea lion. I'm pretty sure that's a sea lion skin. That looks like sea lion skin to me. I'm also looking at it. 
oh my god that's crazy cross and then he's got a picture real cute picture of uh t65 a4 and a6 Busting along, looking like they're having a grand old time. He's, I mean, he's amazing. He's got, yeah. he's got great pictures on here. Yes. So he give him a does. follow. Yes. Also, I do want to note that um, he is the, is it, what is the proper term? Director, like president of the. Oh, no. He's, he's the United States president of the Pacific Whale Watch Association. Yes. So essentially he's the man out there leading all of the other whale watch companies to be doing like respectful whale watching, which we love. We appreciate because, you know, people have mixed feelings on whale watching, but ultimately Ellie and I, I mean, Ellie and I both were biased. We both work on whale watch boats. Like we, you know, we believe in connecting people to the wildlife, but um, he just like, he, he's the person that makes sure that people do it safely, you know? Yeah. So we appreciate him. Um, yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. He's got some really good photos on here. I really like the ones with the killer whales being like really touchy and like they're basically giving hugs, but they're not. They're in such good little friends. Nick and friend, Nick a friendship. That's what they're feeling. Nick a friendship. (laughs) Yum. Oh, well, I do think that that's all we have for you guys. Um, we hope you're having a good week. We still want to encourage you to go March for the Dams. Go to marchforthedams.com. Also, stay tuned for Friday's episode where we interview um, one of the organizers of the March for the Dams. You can find out more information there. Um, but if there's anything you know you guys want to hear about, let us know. We appreciate the questions. Thank you, Shelby. Um, but yeah, have a good week and, you know, live your best life, you know, sharing is caring. I don't know. What else do you have for these people? Thanks for listening. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. Okay. Goodbye.